got some good stuff going on here, but I want to give you three verses before we get there. Well, who's that guy? That guy has a lot less hair than last week. <laughs> I was watching the broadcast. I said, it looks like there's a helmet on my head. Get rid of that thing. Haircut. Okay, let's go to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. The writer of Hebrews is anonymous. Nobody really knows for sure. But honestly, it doesn't matter because it's still God's word. He says in verse 1, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard. Pay the most careful attention so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received this just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and miracles. He's talking about Jesus here. And by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed to all according to his will. He's talking about Pentecost there and forward. My message today is titled, Distance Through Distraction. Distance Through Distraction. As you take your seats this morning, just find somebody, give them a high five and say, are you distracted today? And take your seats after you've high five somebody, are you distracted today? Okay, then. <laughs> Somebody's certain about that. I know who it is. I know that little voice. How many know what today is besides Sunday, besides uh, the 28th of May, 2023? Who wants to yell it out? Come on, 50. 50, hint. 50 days. It's the day of Pentecost today. Pentecost 50, Penty. Is the 50th day past the Passover. We call it Easter. The Bible calls it Passover. The day of the resurrection, the risen one, 50 days past. It is the day that the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit took place scripturally. It's because he couldn't outpour something that, that wasn't available yet until he died and rose again. His spirit was not yet available. That's called a dispensation. So the window of time between the start and the, and the ending of a dispensation happened when Christ died and rose again, and a new one started. And that's actually in line with the parallel of the new covenant now. Now the new covenant or testament or contract is active because the new dispensation has started. And so 50 days passed. You remember me preaching about how they were going to go witness and do the Great Commission, but he said, no, go wait to be endued with power. How many remember that? When Jesus was with them, he said, go and wait. And so this is what he was waiting on. So in Acts chapter 2, 50 days later, they're all gathered with one accord in Acts chapter 2, and they hear this mighty rushing wind, and out comes the Holy Ghost, and they start speaking in tongues, and people are freaking out because every nation has gathered, and they can hear, they can hear nation one understanding nation two, and they think, are they been drinking? Peter says, no, it's like 9 a.m. Not everybody drinks at 9 a.m., okay? You Pharisees, you... You people that are, that are judging what God just did with your flesh, says Peter. This was the greatest day and called the birth of the church for a reason. That's why Acts is the birth of the church. So I'm excited about that. How many are excited and knows he's still pouring out his spirit? There's no expiration date until Christ comes back. He's pouring today like he poured back then. You can be filled like that. 
You can. It happens here at One Seed Church. It can happen in a lobby. Amen, Mike. It can happen in a closet. It can happen in a car. It can happen at the, at the altar, at this three-point line. It don't matter. How many know this was a three-point line at one point? This was a basketball court. They could have left the hoop since they left me all the tape on the floor. At least we could have some fun with that. <laughs> That's the joke, y'all. I wouldn't want to throw the basketball and hit the lights. <laughs> but today's Pentecost Sunday, so we're, we're grateful for that. And um, one more thing I forgot to tell you that happened in May that was really cool. How many knew the last song we sang was our own? That's really cool. And we are not superficial. We are actively spreading the gospel in multiple ways using technology, music, and what I call the ultimate love language, which is music. And so we had another song released. One Seed Worship had a song on May 12th come out, and I was at the beach and had beach brain and completely forgot to tell anyone uh, in the church. We had a, a new song come out called You Alone that Nolani, who's not here today, actually led that song, and you can get it on any music streaming platform. It's really cool. How many have heard it already? Has anybody heard it? Cool. Look at y'all. We got some people that are on it. I love it. So music is a big part of this vision, and you're going to see more One Seed Worship become part of our worship sets over time, and more One Seed Worship become part of our mission of what we do with the community because it's another way to reach especially young people who don't have an ear for God's word, but they have an ear for what's hot on the music. You know what I'm saying? So we give it to them through the music, and all of a sudden you get their heart with God's word. We're just planting different ways. Different types of soil requires different types of techniques. So we're excited about that. I kept my phone. I'm sorry. I'm distracted. These phones are so cool, aren't they? How many got Android? How many got iPhone? Thanks. No one cares. How many got Android? <laughs> I thought you were saved, Christians. Let me know how it is. Oh, I can't say that full sentence. That's not Christian. Well, they're, they're iPhone anyway. No, I had an iPhone for a day, and I returned it and got my Android back. This is the S23. Look, oh, I got a text on here. You see the little bubble? I got a text. Chris, I think it might be your text. I got a text. Excuse me while I check this. Can I, can I, sorry, I just got to do this. Oh, well, you have to text me. You're right there. Oh, I see. That was from like 30 minutes ago. <laughs> okay. So, like, like, they're great, you know, but they can be a little bit, like, in the way of conversations and distracting, you know, and and it's so cool because you can just like, oh, you can just live here, you know. And really, if I let myself, I can be anywhere I want as long as I have this. One time I, I preached a sermon called The Cyber Train. And I was saying, hey, Jim, I felt like Iron Man because I felt like when my phone died, I was dying. And so if I didn't get my phone charged like Iron Man, I couldn't function. And I was holding it here like I was Iron Man because that's really become the pulse of our, of our culture, is it not? If you take away the thing, like, isn't it, isn't it how you feel? Like, we're addicted, right? I'm guilty. I'm addicted. I'm addicted. Me and my kids, we spend some great quality time together out on the patio. We each have our device, and we, we check out, and we're all doing it together. What's so amazing about these devices is as powerful as they are for organization and practical purposes, they also can be so distracting that you can be in a concrete room and think you're on the beach and not know the difference because you're consumed by it. It's, it's like you're, you're distant. Why? Not because you're physically not there, because you're distracted. You seen that? Um, one time, 
I was at church here. I probably shouldn't share this because you're like, well, you're the pastor and you talk to us after church. Well, this lady's not with us no more probably because of this conversation we had. And one time we were, we, I was after, we had just got the building and I was all excited and I was still like just taking it all in. And it, sometimes I'm like a cat chasing the foil ball. I don't mean to be. I'm just, you know, I'm distracted because I got ADD, I think, unofficially. I don't know. And too much caffeine. And, and I was talking to this lady and I was trying my best, Nate, to remember what, like, hear her, but it was loud, and, and I was focused on, sometimes I got to, like, read their lips because I can't always hear what they're saying because it's loud, and God said, did you hear what she just said to you? I said, I think I heard her say, you're not even listening to anything I'm saying, and I said, did she really say that? Did I look that checked out? Because I was really trying to listen, and then I'm like, did, did she, have, I, I was so distracted, I don't even know if she actually said that, but I thought maybe she, she said that. And so I can just tell you, well, she didn't come back to church after that a couple weeks later, but I don't think it was that. I don't really know because I was distracted. <laughs> I think it was other elements, but see, the devil likes to plant that seed because I didn't even know what took place. I couldn't even tell you if that was even accurate because I was not there. Me and Chloe were just talking about uh, when she's going to be driving in, in 20 years. And, um, and when she starts practicing, I said, don't you be like your dad on your phone in the car. I'll kill you. I'm 44. I know what I'm doing. It's different. I can, I can do 20 things in the car and not be distracted, says there goes the red light. Dad, you see you drove through that? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. It was yellow for like 30 seconds. It was yellow for a minute. It was yellow as long as I was going through it. That's what my mind said. I don't really know because I was distracted. And I said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to preach. I'm going to practice what I preach, Chloe. I'm not going to touch this thing. And then Jen texted me. <laughs> I said, Chloe, can you read it? <laughs> it's not your fault, Jen. I get texts all the time. It popped up on my dashboard. It says, Jen. And Jen's my sister, so we talk all the time. I said, Chloe, can you read it? But I was tempted to grab it, Jen, because I'm a... I'm used to it. I'm used to living in that world or, or some of the best vacations we've ever had is late at night, you go on the deck upstairs, you listen to the ocean, and you go on Amazon. It's the best. One time, me and my wife, we went to Hawaii and then Kauai. We went from the Maui to Kauai and we're sitting in a cabana. We paid all this money to sit in this tent and I was just having a day on Amazon. It's awesome. I was sitting there, two-day shipping, whoa. Like, you can be anywhere with your distraction. So it doesn't really matter at that point if you're physically there because you're mentally not there. Does anybody else have a problem like this or is it just me? Okay, good. It's a brewing problem in culture with so much. We're, the, we're in the information uh, generation. It's like data. Everything's data-driven. And so there's so much data that you, it's just breeding us to become distracted because of data to where everybody wants to just, you know, turn it off sometimes and remember humanity and remember things like eye contact. But has anyone ever had that moment I just did with the phone in the air where you're around or like the lady I spoke with, bless her heart, in the lobby who I think I didn't hear say that. And I was distracted. Has anybody ever felt like that where you're there, but you're not there right in the middle of, like, the conversation? And then, and then you feel kind of bad because you know you didn't hear it. And then you got to play dumb like you think, like, act like you heard it because you're too embarrassed to tell them you really didn't listen to it because your mind was thinking about someone else, something else. Maybe it was someone else. I don't know. 
It's like a full-on conversation that you don't remember anything. You know, the Bible talks about our mind is like a gate to our heart, and there's this correlation between our words and our heart. So it, it all kind of works together. Hearing is the ingestion point to our heart. Hearing means receiving, not not hearing and it bouncing off and not retaining. Hearing is receiving. When you read the scriptures, he says, if you receive me, if you receive this word, that means it rooted and ingested into the heart. That's why hearing matters. And when we're distracted, how can we hear? And so often the same people, I'm guilty of this, who says, I didn't hear nothing, means God didn't answer me. God didn't answer what I was doing. Well, maybe God's talking, but I'm distracted, right, on my phone. You know, and I always say, well, God is just on my phone. He's, and I was on my Bible app probably. Maybe that's how God will talk to me because I'm different from the other millions. It's the gateway to our heart. And as we stay unaware of what we are doing with our day-to-day and not focusing on all the treasures, there's treasures around us, we create a gap of distance that can reflect the same remnants of physical being away from our family, Jesus, and our priorities. So the mental gap we create can create the same as if we were physically not there. Think about that. You can be sitting in the room and be miles and miles away, and years can go by in this. Years can go by. Is anyone today finding themselves feeling at a distance even within the boundaries of their home because we're distracted by some thing we're dealing with or some one. Who feels distant in here on, an, on, a, on a daily basis at some capacity? Is there distance in your day-to-day? Okay, thank you for the transparency. Are we living at a distance because we're distracted? So we said we can be physically close but mentally distant. I had a ninth grade teacher once. I forgot her name, bless her heart. I just remember she had lots of makeup on. It's like, you a human? This is like scary. Can I say scary? I was like 15. And uh, I was in the front row. It was like the early hour. And I would sit there, and I don't know what I was thinking. I would straight up just put my head down on the table right when class started and stay that way for the hour. And she was so close, waving her hands. She never said, Jeff, you rude little jerk, get your head up. You're disrespecting me as I'm speaking. She just acted like nothing, like she didn't even notice. But I could feel the wind from her hands hitting my hair. That's how close she was. So I know I could feel it because of the proximity, because she was so close. That means if I could feel the wind from her hands, she could definitely tell how rude I was sleeping in the front row. I could at least gone to the back and done it. No, the very front row. Finally, one day, I felt her nick my head with her fingertip. About 20 years later, I looked back. I said, you know what? I don't think that was an accident. She never said nothing. She just kept on going. And even when she hit me in the head, I'm like, she hit, you hit me in the head. And she didn't even notice. Or did she? 
<laughs> my little 15-year-old self says, she's too dumb. She don't know nothing. I'm not going to do nothing. She's weak. She don't, she don't going to do nothing. And maybe she was teaching me something that I'd get later, like 20 years, that I was the dumb one. But that was creating distance mentally, intentionally. The problem at home is it's not usually intentional like that. Some of us, it may be. You know, you can drug yourself with distraction. We call it numbing our pain. How many like reels on their phone? How many like watching videos and all this thing? What are we doing? We're distracting ourselves. Why? Well, we enjoy it sometimes, and sometimes we're hiding from something else because we don't want to think about it. We don't ever want to talk about it, and maybe that's a good thing. But eventually, like, you just can't keep hiding from the same thing over and over. What's the quality score in your home today? What's the level of engagement? Oh, we sound like we're talking uh, search engine optimizations up in Google in here. We sure are. What's the engagement in your home? The quality of your engagement. Is it zero? Maybe you engage, but there's no quality in it. Like my conversation out there with the lady. I was talking, but no one was home because I was thinking about something else. Because I, I, I was distracted. And so, so when you are stay that way, you feel like your kids grew up and you missed it. You say, where did the time go to something else? That's where it went. Oh, snap. He's being honest. I don't, I don't like it. You know, it's a good old cliche. Yeah, they grow up fast. They sure do when you don't pay any attention to them. That's a hard one to hear as a dad. Guilty. Yep, I don't know where the time went. Look, my, my, my nieces are getting married, and my kids are talking about driving, and my 12-year-old's wearing deodorant. God help me. Not you, Chloe. I'm talking about Caleb. And uh, you're 13 now. I wouldn't talk about you like that in public. I only, dump, I only burnt, uh, what do you call it, haze the boys verbally. <laughs> me and Colton, we're, we're getting on the Dr. Squatch train. It's the man deodorant. It's like, man. We're like, we're men. We're getting bar soap, you know. And he's all excited. He's 10. I'm getting him started early. We're going organic. He's like, dads, when are, when's our soap coming? I'm like, yeah, they got some Batman soap. They got some Star Wars soap. I got problems. I'm excited about this dang Batman soap that's like $30. Last time I checked, it's just a bar of soap. Sorry about the D word there. It's because I was distracted. <laughs> but if I'm not careful, guilty by association, 10 years can go by, and I'll say, when did my kids get out of diapers? Now they're wearing Dr. Squatch. What happened? You put your time in something else. That's what happened. I mean, I know you care. This is, this is my conversation with sometimes I say it's the devil, and then sometimes I actually think it's Jesus talking to me. He says, I know you care, but where you put your time is where you care the most. Is this hurting anybody today in a good way? Is this like the neck rubs I make my son give me? He's like, does it hurt in a good way, Dad? I'm like, no, it just hurts. Get your elbow out. Little bony elbow is crushing my tendon. It's going to do damage. Does it hurt in a good way, Dad? Sometimes you got to get hurt in a good way by, by God's Word. Are you hearing this? you got to be getting willing to be hurt in a good way that you can grow out of it because God's trying to get rid of your distraction. 
One time, you can clap for that. One time when we had this thing called the coronavirus, the only way to preach to somebody was through the distraction. So we just started calling it out. I had the cell phone on the screen. We were live streaming. And I said, look at you. Now you're all paying attention because you're on the phone. And everybody's like, oh, snap, everybody's watching today. It's because we were on the biggest distraction they could find because of, because of the phone. And so people were, like, getting introduced to church that never heard of God's, like, church and never would go to church because now they're scared because of the pandemic. And so, so what did God do? He went right to the center of their distraction in that. That's the blessing. That's the good hurt. I'm not saying all hurt that came out of the pandemic was good. A lot of bad came out of that. But that's something good that came out of that. It's kind of like 9-11, something good came out of that, even though it was devastating, horrible, uh, evil, you know, just uh, unfathomable evil. God brought good from that because it got people out of their distraction and into focus with, why am I here? Why did God put me here? I'll never forget this actress on the Jay Leno show. I know all you young people, you thought it was Jimmy Fallon. It was until about 10 years ago. And, and I remember this actress just crying on the couch, literally break down crying. She says, I'm starting to think maybe what I'm doing is not what, what my life was meant to be. That's what, that's what 9-11 caused. And that's what every big event that turns people's hearts to, to God does. It gets their attention on where, where the value's at, on my family, on, on why God created me, on, on the things that really matter, the things that go with you into eternity, and the things that stay no longer have value to you because they don't go with you anyway. That's the blessing in the good kind of pain, the good kind of wake-up moment. You can be sitting right in a joyous environment like the ocean or family get-togethers, most of them, you know, and be going, I feel miserable because the battle of the mind is a real thing. The mind is a very consuming instrument in your walk, and you have to learn to not let the devil attack your mind because if he can get your mind, nothing else will hold value to you. You will think you don't have value and that is the devil's lie. Let me tell somebody, I don't care what kind of car you're driving. I don't care what kind of clothes you're wearing. They can be the Kmart special from 1982, and you can have the snap-on hubcaps that they sell in the back of that same place. It doesn't matter. God created you because you're valuable. He created you out of his own image. So if he created you out of his image, how could you not have value? The devil wants to tell your mind, well, you did this, you did this. The battle of the mind is real. So don't let the devil trick you. Remember the writer says here in verse 1, pay the most careful attention, therefore, the, so, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. It's like we can get on a boat and just start drifting Away. Careful means do it diligently. Pay careful attention. Everything you have in this world is valuable. It takes careful attention to the things that are of value, to the things that aren't, to know the difference, or you can get lost in it all being the same and start drifting away. If God is everywhere, then we know He's close anytime we need Him. Don't y'all love that HVAC? It was fixed this week, can you tell? 
At least now it's not hot. We were doing old school church last week, wiping our brow with the sweat. You got all the church ladies with their big hats and the fans. We got the air conditioner back this week. <laughs> we didn't really have the fans, but we'll fix that. But don't you worry. Don't you worry. Because that's the mighty rushing wind right there coming from Pentecost. That's what 50 days, see? <laughs> but if your mind isn't receiving God being this close to you, God's everywhere. But if your mind says he's not because you're not noticing, he's going to feel distant. He's going to feel not there. And then what happens is you drift, according to the text, and your heart becomes far. It's not your physical presence that becomes far from your loved ones. It's your heart due to distraction, due to believing into the junk the enemy's putting there to tell you that they don't love you enough or that you deserve better. Or if you had it this way, if the grass was greener, you would like it this way. But the grass is always greener on the other side of it. The reality is no matter which way you take it, God's good and he's right there. Your family loves you. God loves you. Be grateful. Because... It will make you joyful when you become grateful. No matter what level the world says your, your success is at, when you count the, the things to be gra grateful for that God has blessed you with, the basic things in life like coffee beans, you're going to be happy. It's the simple things in life because that's what came from God. The simple things are where the joy is at. Don't drift. Look to your neighbor and say, don't drift. Say, get off the boat. Get yourself an anchor. Don't drift. Are we living at a distance because we are distracted up here? So the question now becomes, what is rooting that distraction? Why are we letting that take over our world and our mind? Well, a lot of times it's avoidance. We don't want to face something or someone, so we just keep numbing ourselves to it through distracting of substance, phones, uh, people, hobbies. You can be addicted to hobbies. People get addicted to the thing that keeps them away from dealing with the thing. Making sense? You live numb. It's sedating. I like to in a, unintentionally sedate myself to uh, all the, the reels on, I really like these reels on uh, Instagram, and it just always knows my joy. I told you it's like John Mayer videos, and now I've been watching this, uh, this, these holistic clips on like minerals and, and all this stuff, and all of a sudden two hours go by and I'm passing out and the phone's falling on my head. I know it messes your REM up, sorry, I'm not talking about the band. It's an addiction. And I'm distracted. And I like it at night because it takes my mind off the things that are keeping me up. My wife, she can vouch for this. If she's watching online right now, she likes to play the Hallmark movies just in her ears at night. Every night I look over and it's earbuds or in her head. And I don't know if they're on, if they're off. And at this point, they don't ever come out, I don't think, except for at church. <laughs> and she says, I like it because it helps me sleep from the distraction of what she's dealing with. And that's a good thing. But at some point, you've got to learn to face the thing you're dealing with to overcome the giant. 
Because I'm guilty of this. If I just stay numb to it, if I never address it, it never will go away. As soon as the distraction goes away, the problem comes back. They hurt you, so you don't want to confront them. We start silently checking out, but it's really rooted in pain often because someone did, did something to you that, that, that did more subconscious damage than we even know of. Like, I'm not ashamed to say that I got damage. I didn't know I had damage from youth for different things. I thought it never affected me until I saw fruit come from me because of damage that I linked it back to. And I'm not, like, trying to Dr. Phil y'all. I'm saying, like, there's a real pattern here. Like, it took 40 years of life to realize that those kids doing this or that, like, I thought it didn't do nothing. But then there's things you start thinking about yourself years later that you didn't know, so you start silently checking out because, actually, that was the root. What starts as unintentional checking out can become very habitual. And then you get stuck in this routine. You check out, and then you get stuck in this phone routine or this tablet routine. I was telling Chloe, we got Chloe, bless her heart. This is the S23 Plus. And I, I, I got her one for her 13th birthday because she was becoming a teenager. And this is coming from a dad who said, I will never give my kids a phone until they're 30. And then as soon as I had the opportunity to get her a really good one because she was 13, what I do? I got her the nice one. So then I said, well, I can't have one that's not as good as hers. So then I got the same one, and Michelle got the same one. And I told her, I said, if you're not careful, this can ruin you. I said, and we have boundaries, and she's a really good kid. That's why I know I can trust her with this because we have boundaries, and I don't have to ask. She just, she respects why it matters because she understands that the root of the issue can do residual damage. So it's not like dad's withholding this. It's like I see the problems they can create on my own, says the child. And so that's what I wanted her to see is that is the root of what's causing it so then she can avoid it as she grows older. But we'll use that to numb ourselves. It will cause us to drift. But the writer says, do not drift. Are we living at a distance today within our homes, within our situation, within our loved ones? Because we are distracted. All this time, you thought you didn't feel nothing from them because it was them. But maybe the devil says, gotcha, gotcha. If you can fix it up here, you can change it out here. If you can fix it up here, you can change it out here. Watch this. Let's go to Hebrews 12. That was Hebrews 2. Let's go to 12 and read three more verses. Now, this is Jesus ultimately being spoke of by the writer. When you're distracted and you don't want to drift in verse 2, you can go to verse 12, chapter 12, excuse me, and remember this. 
This was one of the very first passages, Nate. We did an inspiration post on social media back in 2017, and I never forgot it. I was, like, trying to be really cool and, 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 like, innovative, and I, like, recorded the overdub of the audio talking the scripture on top of, like, some moving waves or something and talking about, like, running this race that so easily entangles us. Let us never lose sight but keep our eyes and focus on, well, let's read the passage, and I'll say it better. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us, distraction, and the sin that so easily entangles because of distraction. Let us run with perseverance. Everybody say perseverance. There's a race you're in line for that's marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Pause right here. To me, when it says fixing our eyes on Jesus, that is the same thing in verse 1 of chapter 2. It says pay careful attention. If I want to pay careful attention in chapter 2, what do I do? Chapter 12 says fix your eyes on Jesus. Come on, somebody. This is not grade school. You don't got to raise your hand. If you feel in this word, say, God, thank you because I can fix my eyes on you. Because when the world says I'm worthless, I can fix my eyes on you. When I can't see what you look like, I can fix my eyes on you. I can look you in the eyes. I can make eye contact. Does anybody remember what eye contact is? Or do we just text each other about it? Sometimes. I was on a call. I just messed up the scripture. I'll come back to it. I was on the call the other day, and it was a, it was a video call, and I got an email, and it came up on the screen, and it was from Michelle, my wife, who was in the other room, and they said, that's so funny. She emails you. I said, yeah, all the time. I said, so do my kids. It works. They thought that was funny, and I guess it is funny if it's, I don't know. Verse 2 Chapter 12, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he's the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That means he went to the, he represented the place of authority. That's what it means. It is not like there's three chairs and he's sitting there going, hey, hey, father. No, he's like, I'm in the place of authority by what I represent as the begotten son of the only father from heaven. Consider him. When you're distracted, consider him. Look to your neighbor, tell him, consider him. Fixing your eyes. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and drift. I mean, lose heart. And drift away. I mean, lose heart. Are we in verse 2, verse 12? I don't even know what we're reading. Are we in chapter 2 or chapter 12? To me, they're talking to each other. One is the answer to the other question. One is the problem, one is the solution. You see why the Bible says line upon line, precept upon precept, my word, every word shall be established. That's why you can't take your one verse and run to everybody with it and become a Pharisee. you got to look at the bigger picture of what is God saying to me. Why was there 50 days after the resurrection? Why do I need to know that? Why do I need to know what the Passover was? Why do I need to know why Jesus went to the cross? Why do I need to know why there's four Gospels instead of one? Why do I need to know why there's so many more books in the Old Testament in 39 and nobody says they're even matter because we're in the New Testament. Why do we even have that? You need to know. Fix your eyes on Jesus and he'll show you. Make eye contact with the Lord. 
Well, I can't see him. You said he didn't have hands either. Jesus did. God doesn't. Jesus is God. You see that? The only face of God we've seen. When you've seen him, you've seen me. When you've seen me, you've seen him. Sorry, I'm lickstexic here. Jesus says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When you've seen these hands, you've seen the spirit that gave me breath, that gave me the courage to get on the cross. When you've seen this, this, this scorned uh, Israel be put away because I went to the cross, you've seen God move. So when you say, I don't know how to look at God, look at your Bible. Look at your text. The Bible says the word was Christ made flesh. He was the word. Therefore, the words I'm reading on the New Testament, the word came. It was delivered and we beheld his glory and knew him not. Therefore, when I need to look him in the eyes, I look at my Bible. I look at what he said. If I can look at his word, I can look him in the eye. Because you can't separate a man's word from what he said. You can't say my word said that. You said that. I don't think they're getting this. If God said it, if it's in his word, you're talking to God. Hello, somebody. You're hearing from God. The face of God is the expression of who he is. The Bible is the expression of who he is. You want to see him? Look into the context of your Bible. Learn Jesus. Learn who he is. Learn how he operated, why he did it. And all that will lead you back to looking in the face of God. And that's how you fix your eyes on Jesus. Make eye contact. You want to fix the problem, you got to stare it in the face. Make eye contact with your problem. I don't, I don't know how many have heard this one before, but this is, this is something I've always admired about my brother, is he is ruthlessly transparent and looks dead in the eye of any adversity he gets, no matter what. Even sometimes when it's not even necessary, he's so good at walking through it to look at it and address it fast, he gets through big hurdles when they come. And so I was always uh, very intimidated growing up. A lot of, like, didn't want to face the problem because it, it was intimidating, and I'd get, I'd get panics, and I'd get anxiety. And as we got into church, things changed, and I remember the very first voicemail I got. How many have heard about the, the fun voicemail from, from pre-launch? I saved it. I had a folder on the computer like called Funny Voicemails to One Seed Church that I could go back and listen to later in, in, in the ministry and go, <laughs> that was funny. We saved it like a reel, like a blooper reel of crazy people. Did I say that? They weren't crazy. They were crazy about Jesus. No, he was just crazy. No, seriously. So I got this voicemail, and we had not opened Sunday service yet in the high school. We were only meeting on Wednesdays doing a Bible study. And there was nowhere advertising Sunday services yet. And I tell you now because it's funny. It's different. It's in hindsight. And he left this voicemail. He says, I went up there, and there was no one there. Mike, it's your fault. There was no one there. And he did that on the end of his voicemail. He growled. I'm like, okay, God, I know you're trying to season me and prune me and make me better and grow me and make me have my purpose and be a good pastor and all these things, but why you got to give me someone who's going to growl on the first voicemail I ever get on the church phone? Is it a little too much, God? So I'm telling my brother this, 
I'm like, yeah, I'm not calling that guy back. He's crazy. He says, you need to call him. Now, he's my brother, so I think deep down he's like, I wouldn't call him either, but I want to watch my little brother struggle for a bit. You need to call him. That's what God said to do. He'll do that a lot. But what's funny is even if he was joking, God said to call him, so I did. And he never answered. But what it was doing, it was me learning how to address it. And so I called and I said, hello, this is Pastor Jeff with 1C Church. We got your sweet voicemail. How can we help you? Please call us if you ever need anything. God bless. Praying, hashtag praying. Just kidding, I didn't throw all that in there. But I killed it with kindness. You know how good I felt after that? I thought, how dumb that I was running from somebody who growled at me on the phone. When they probably just don't know Jesus. They probably were a nice man. I could tell you he probably wouldn't growl at me in person. So it's not like I was intimidated. It was just like not fun to deal with. But I had to address it first on, firsthand. And, and that's the kind of focus you put on your God, you put on your problem, you put on your situation, and you overcome it. And you can. Because sometimes a problem won't go away, but when you've got it under control because you're willing to face it and look it dead in the eye, you'll be able to wrangle it down. Instead of it entangling you, like the Scripture says, you'll be able to entangle it into captivity and keep those thoughts in captivity to where they can't control you no more. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you're going to get that thought back in your head, but God has taught you through faith and focusing on him how to control them when they pop back up. So when the devil tries to throw that dart again, you laugh it off and say, it's not even breaking the skin, devil. You're not going to entangle me. I'm going to entangle you because I got Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of my faith, the author and finisher of my faith. So why would I even believe anything you said, it, devil? Go back to you nowhere, devil. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord, well, the good Lord didn't split you, so don't let the door even hit you, devil. Well, he was Lucifer and he came from heaven, so I guess the good Lord did make him technically. Sorry, theologians. Don't send an email. Jeez. Jesus is Lord is what I meant. But you want to find joy, look around. Look at this paint. Now, most of y'all see paint. Now, this is going to be good. God just gave me this. This is, this is divine from heaven. Look at this paint. Well, it's taupey and it looks good, but there's, there's no paint on that white stuff. You know what? God's given us a new building. You know? This is a sure lot better than in the basement, Mike, during corona. This is a sure lot better than some basketball hoops being right in the middle of the preaching and the alarm's going off, and the sprinklers or whatever else, or I don't even know. I lost track of four, four places. Like, you see the joy everywhere if you look. Where else can I see the joy? I know there's a hole behind this curtain because I see the joy on the other side. Now, just because I've been back there, and I've seen Some of y'all don't know. The stage is over there. The wall's coming down. This is about to be a brand-new experience, a brand-new place. There'll be new lights. Some of y'all see construction lights. I see transition when the transition starts, I know something's rooting. When there's no growth, there's no transition, there's nothing budding through the ground, it's hard to believe God's doing something. When you see them start taking the lights down and putting those things up, oh boy, watch out, God's doing something. It's just springing out of the ground because it was germinating all along. So you can, you can trust in that and you can find joy everywhere you look if you want to find it. 
It's everywhere you go if you want to find it. You don't have to, you don't have to go to an island to find joy. Look at your baby in the face. Make eye contact. Guess what? They won't look like that in 12 months. Guess what? They'll look different in 10 years. Make eye contact. Throw that off. Throw it off. He says, throw off everything that hinders. If y'all could stand with me this morning, I'm going to close with this, and we're not going to have closing worship, long story short, because I was playing the keyboards and it wasn't good, and it'd be really weird to go back there and like start singing a song again and make it awkward. So we're going to save y'all the grief and keep you joyful and go right to the house here. But before I dismiss y'all, First of all, if you're new here, I want to thank you for coming today. We are in a giant transition right now, and I promise you, you are seeing the fruit of something amazing God is doing through this church. I promise you. But I just want to thank you for your patience because to the outsider, this looks weird and raw and John Wayne, and it is, and that's what it takes to get there. you got to get down and dirty and go dig that trench if you want water to flow through it eventually. It don't start itself. God's the author and finisher. God authored it, and he's going to finish it. God authored your existence, your purpose, and he's going to finish it if you look around and you make eye contact with your Lord. He's going to show you something. But I just want to close with this little story. 2023, our motto was actually a sermon I preached. A lot of the sermons come from my own family life. And our motto for 2023 in my house was called living with less. Because last year was just like living with too much is what that was. So now we're going to live with less. And so as a dad, I'm guilty of this. I'm really trying now to be more attentive to the little things going on in my house because it really does go quick, and I'm seeing that. And um, as of late, one of the cool things we've been doing, Taz, you in here? He just raised his hand. He said, yeah, that's my youngest son. Give it up for Colton. That's his real name. We call him Taz. We've been doing, not only are we doing the, the Dr. Squatch thing and getting on the, the cool man soap train, but we've been sitting outside by ourselves at night and just talking just talking about whatever. Man, as a dad, I didn't know so much I was missing about my own son. Just the details in his little brain. You know why? Because I wasn't making eye contact. I was distracted. And that's why uh, proximity matters. You know why hugs feel so good? Because proximity matters. It reminds you that they're really there with you. So eye contact is, is a proximity effect. It, it, it reminds you of why you do this thing called life. And so I just want to encourage you with that. It's been the most stress-free and relaxed few days. I can, I can recall just feeling really joyful. And you know why? It's because of going back to basics of why you, you prayed for God to send you this. You prayed for God to give you children. You prayed for God to give you a family and a wife and a nice life. Enjoy it if he gave it to you. You're not meant to be miserable. Someone lied to you when they said you gotta be broken, miserable your whole life to be faithful. That's not the truth. Faithful is being diligent and putting God first in all he's blessed you with. Because if he can trust you, he'll multiply that bad boy. He'll help you help other people. He'll let you do good things for this world. But don't let it replace the priorities. And that's your Lord and that's your family.
That's number one. Amen? Give somebody a hug when you leave today. And if you don't like hugs, that's okay. Do some knuckles. Do something. But I challenge you to, when you leave today, make eye contact. Say, Jesus loves you. We're thankful for you. And you're going to change lives with that. Amen? Let's just pray and we'll get out of here. And uh, next week, Nolani will be back, which will be a good thing. And we're thankful for her. Let's pray for Nolani to come back next week. <laughs> Lord, everybody bow your head. Lord, we come right now and we just thank you, Jesus, that we can worship in this space. It doesn't matter where we're at. We can set up a tabernacle and worship you wholeheartedly. We can fix our eyes on you by, by looking at your, your fruit, your, your things you've blessed us with. We want to see you. We can look at nature. We can see the ocean move. I can see you in that, Lord. You've created these things. I can see you, and I can focus on you to find freedom from what the enemy is trying to entangle me in. And I don't need to be entangled because I know that you're going to tie him up in the end anyway and cast him out, that the devil is a liar, and he's not going to hold me. So I know, God, that I can focus on truth, and you are the only truth. And if I focus on truth, nothing false can ever pull me aside. Nothing can ever distract me from truth. And so, God, help us not drift away by always keeping eye contact with you and the things that matter most in this world. We give thanks for that. And if the whole house can say together, in Jesus' name, everybody say, amen.